Well, good morning, church. And yes, we are truly glad that you are here. Now, today we're finishing our three-week topical series on the characteristics of a Christ follower. And in the first week, we saw that a Christ follower abides, and he abides with Christ through what we categorized as God time, which is time spent in study and meditation on his word and time spent in intentional prayer. And we've also seen that a Christ follower connects. That's what we saw last week. And a Christ follower connects by gathering with the people of God in weekly worship service of God and also in group time, meaning a time when we we meet together in a committed group where we're committed to one another in relational community for the building up of one another in the faith. Today, we're going to conclude this series by seeing that a Christ follower shares, which can be summed up in another two Gs, give time and go time. But in order to get there, I want to lay the foundation for you by reading two passages of Scripture for us that will actually help us to understand this give time and go time or why it's important and to help us understand that that's actually the application in our life. And so the first thing I want to show you this morning is that we are called to the glory of God. This is actually a one-point sermon. We are called, sorry, to glorify God. And so I want to read two passages of Scripture for you this morning, both out of Revelation 1, Revelation 4, 8 through 11, and Revelation 5, 9 through 14. And I want you to listen to God's word this morning. And there are several key words I want you to really hone in on. And so imagine, if you will, I hope you can take this passage of Scripture and just in your mind, imagine the scene that unfolds for us. And so John is in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he's given this vision, this window of insight, and he helps us to understand a few things of what he's seeing, and he talks about these four living creatures. Now listen to what he says, and just imagine the landscape, imagine the picture unfolding before you, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and in within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, I want you to hone in on that word, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, there it is again, and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The story continues, Revelation 5, 9 through 14. And they sang a new song. 
saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. What an incredible scene that's unfolded for us in the scriptures. One of the themes that arises from within the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation is that God is worthy of glory. But what are we talking about when we talk about the glory of God and when we talk about that he is worthy to receive glory? We use that language a lot, don't we? Oh, glory to God. God is worthy to receive glory. But what are we talking about? What does it even mean? How do you condense in a small statement all that that word contains? So I've cobbled together with a few measly words to help us to try to understand what it means when we talk about the glory of God. Here's my humble definition. Oh, this could be expanded, but let it be what it is today. The glory of God is the beauty that emanates from the character of God in all his perfection. Let me repeat that. It is the beauty of the character, or sorry, the beauty that emanates from the character of God in all his perfection. You see, not only is God perfect, but he's so perfect in all that he is that it's beautiful. He's perfect and beautiful in his wisdom. He's beautiful and perfect in his will. He is beautiful and he's perfect in his justice. He's beautiful and he's perfect in his mercy. He's beautiful and perfect in his compassion. He's beautiful and perfect in his love. And the list could just go on and on and on. 
But then we also talk about that God is also worthy to receive glory. What does that mean? When we speak of God being worthy of receiving glory, what we're talking about is that he's worthy of having his glory, meaning his beautiful character, made known and made visible through the way we live our lives and by the way we speak of him. You know, in the Bible, I want you to remember these two things as we go through the rest of the sermon. What we're talking about when we talk about the glory of God, which is his beautiful character, his perfection and all that he is, and what it is to receive glory, that he's worthy to be made, that his goodness and his perfection and all that he is, he's worthy to be made known through us by the way we live our lives and the way we speak of him. I want you to carry that with you throughout the rest of the sermon. But you know, the Bible also tells us why God is worthy of glory. And I can't give you all the reasons this morning. But what we saw here in Revelation 4.11 was that one of the reasons is because he created all things and they exist because of him. But we also know they don't only exist because of him, but they also exist for him. Another way God's glory is revealed and another reason he is worthy to receive glory is found in Revelation 5, 9, and 10 that we just read. And it's because Jesus gave himself to die on the cross. Jesus entered his own creation to die for his creation on the cross. Through the shedding of his blood, so that he could ransom a people for God from every tribe, every language, and every nation, and to make them a kingdom of God and a priests to God or of God. Listen, if you are a Christian today, it's because God in eternity past determined that Jesus would give, that's one of the words I want you to hold on to, give himself as a sacrifice to be slain for you. Because you see, our sin is so great that you and I could not pay the price for ourselves. And so someone else needed to step into our place and to pay the price for us. And Jesus did that. And so at the right time, he would go and become man. And he would declare the good news of salvation for mankind through faith in what he was going to accomplish. By taking our sins upon himself and suffer and die so that our sins could not only just not only be forgiven but also removed and then also be united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection so that we might, having been joined to him, be raised together with him and receive the gift of eternal life, his life. And then be reconciled, be put back in a right relationship with God, be transferred into his kingdom as his people for all eternity. Where all the things that we're experiencing in this lifetime will be no more. 
But what's going to captivate us in eternity, what's going to fill us with the greatest joy, the things that we're going to want to see for all eternity is not the beauty of heaven. Well, let me rephrase that. Yes, it is the beauty and the splendor of heaven because Jesus is the beauty and the splendor of heaven. Oh, we read about the streets of gold and we read about the different layers of the foundations of, of, of the city of God. And we read about a new earth and a new heaven and all these things. But what's going to captivate us is Jesus. That's what's going to captivate us. And he did all of this for people who didn't deserve his compassion or his grace or his love. He gave himself for us while we were yet his enemies. And he revealed his glory. He demonstrated the perfection of his character. He demonstrated his beauty when he gave himself for us. And it's through this that we begin to see that he is worthy to receive glory. He's worthy to have our lives lived in such a way that begin to model and to demonstrate and reveal how beautiful he is. And we begin to speak in such a way that models God in all his goodness. Listen, if you are a Christ follower, it means you've already been joined to Christ. It means that you are in him and that he is in you, and, and nothing can separate you. He's given you a new heart that's filled with God's love and his compassion, and he's conforming you into the very image of Jesus Christ. You might say, oh, I'm not there yet. It's a long, I'm a long way off. Yes, you are, and so am I. But God is long-suffering. It's another one of those beautiful characteristics, right? He's long-suffering with us. He's gentle and he's patient. And because we're being conformed into the image of Christ, understanding who he is and what he has done and what he's doing, not only with us, but for us, our calling and our ever-growing desire is to glorify God through Jesus Christ. Our calling and our desire is to make visible the goodness of God. So how do we do that? We can condense it in this way. A Christ follower shares. And we, do it in, we can do it in two ways. And so now we're actually heading into the application of our sermon. And the first point in my application is this, give time. You see, just as Jesus gave himself to fulfill his Father's will and gave himself for God's people, we now, having been joined with Jesus or to Jesus, we give ourselves to God to fulfill his will so that he might be glorified through us. So, how do we give? 
Because the application is give time, right? How do we give? We glorify God by giving ourselves to the body of Christ and using the gifts that God has given each of us so that God would be glorified. Let me show you in a couple of passages. First Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. And again, I want you to pay attention to this. Here's what we read. As each has received a gift. Okay, so notice you've received a gift. If you are a Christ follower, you've received a gift. The gift was given to you by God. Use it, it says, to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. Various grace meaning that he's given various gifts. Then he gives an example. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, meaning the word or the truth of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order, listen, here it comes again, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we see that God has given every believer gifts and we're to be using them for God's glory. And there's many passages like this. I'm just going to give you one more out of Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. And there we read this. For as in one body we have many members, right? And so even this morning, this is only the first service. There's a lot of different people here, right? Um, But we're one body. Understanding that, it goes on and says, and the members do not all have the same functions. So not everyone in here has been called to or gifted to preach. Not everyone in here has been called or gifted to sing or to lead worship. And the list just goes on and on and on. He goes on, verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and we're individually members of one another. See, God has connected us all. And he goes on, verse 6 having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. We've all been given different gifts. He encourages us to use them. In fact, he goes on, he gives examples again. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, that means to encourage and to edify others. Some people don't have that gift. Have you ever run across those people that are very well-intentioned people and they're very honest, but the way they come across isn't necessarily edifying or encouraging? And they're trying to be encouraging, but when they're done, you're like, ah, right? But then you come across the next person And sometimes it's even just by the way they look at you and they listen to you and they're hearing you. You are encouraged and edified through that. Then you know that person's got the gift of exhortation, right? And it's that same person then who has that gift that can speak into a person's life and even bring about correction. And so we've all been given different gifts. He goes on, the one who contributes in generosity. Like, even that's a gift, right? 
If you are well off, it's a gift from God. And there's a purpose behind it as well, right? The contributing generosity, the one who leads with zeal, which means with passion. Not lackluster going, oh, let's go do this again, right? It's Sunday morning, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not like that. We come together, right? Because we're passionate about God. He's worthy to receive glory, right? And we come together because it's important and necessary and we can build each other up. And so even in this, the one leading with passion is important. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy. Acts of mercy, compassion. Do it with cheerfulness. There's nothing worse than when someone who's coming to help you does it in a, in, a, in a grumpy sort of way, right? But when you can tell within them there's a real genuine desire to want to help you, right? To be compassionate to you. What a difference that makes. And so guess what? This is not an exhaustive list. There's far more gifts beyond this, and there's many more passages that speak on this. But God has given you a gift, and it's, that gift is meant to be used. So I would encourage you to use it because the Bible encourages us to use it. Whatever gift God has given us, we're called to use it for this purpose, for his glory. Because he's worthy to receive glory. You know what becomes very clear when we go through this and we look at this? It's that even just through these two passages that being a Christian is not just about calling yourself a Christian, but then living for yourself. There is a purpose that you have. God has given you a gift for a purpose. The ultimate purpose is to glorify him, to make the beauty of his character known in all things, right? How we do that? We do that by encouraging one another, by using that gift within the body of Christ. And all these gifts then help to build up the body of Christ. Yeah, so we're... There's no such thing as lone ranger Christianity. We're called to be part of a body. And it can be a messy body. Because yes, even the church is made up of broken, sinful people that God is calling to himself. But the good news is we serve each other through the lens of the gospel, right? So we're called to use the gifts that God has given each of us within the local body of believers because through that, God in his goodness is made visible. If you're a Christ follower, he's given you a gift. And yes, although these two passages list a number of them, it's not an exhaustive list. There's far more. We use these gifts when we gather in worship services. And when we meet in small groups and a ton of other ways, but we use them for the edification of the church, 
Because when we do that, God is made beautiful. You know, even, even in this past 12 months when we've gone through this transition, uh, it certainly has come with a lot of bumps in the road. But let me just say this. We are just so incredibly grateful for so many of you who are using your gifts within this church, desiring to bring glory to God. Thank you for your faithful service. And there is still plenty of opportunity for those who are not yet or have not had the opportunity to use their gifts to do so. As things continue to open back up and we can begin to implement ministries again, opportunities will arise. And I would encourage you to already figure out, if you don't know already, the gift that God has given you and see if there's a way you can plug it in. And I know right now some of you are waiting and you haven't been able to get plugged in yet, but we're waiting upon the Lord and things to open up so we can do that. But there's plenty of opportunity. But listen, serving the church is never just something we do out of cold, cold obedience. When we serve the church, its ultimate purpose brings glory to God. So let me encourage you, step up and say yes. I want to be actively involved in glorifying God in this body. Even if at this very moment the opportunity is not, is not there yet. But make yourself available, offer yourself, and as the Lord opens the doors, we'd be happy to get you plugged in. Now, even today, you heard of some of our needs at the beginning of the service. We're looking, and we have the opportunity again to begin to open up our kids' ministry. We're not going to open up with a bang, put all the classes back in there because we don't have the volunteers. And so we're going to begin with the nursery, and we're still short on that. And if you want to help, you want to serve, and you have that gift and ability, especially now in the nursery setting, that's a great opportunity right here, right now, to get plugged in right away. And we, we don't really want to, and we can't really start until we have a full four-week rotation. We need more small group leaders, too. There are people waiting to get into small groups. Some of you have the gift to be able to lead small groups. Would you consider that? We could certainly use more ushers. I'm, I'm sure Ken will not turn anyone down if they come their way, right? Yeah, that's an amen right there. Um, perhaps God has given you the, the ability and the means to show mercy and compassion to other people. That's always an, an, a critical and important thing. Perhaps God has given you the ability to give. And again, Natalie already said it this morning, and I'll just repeat it again. My goodness, it has been incredibly humbling to see how faithfully you as, a, as God's people have given, even when the church was shut down. What a strange year it's been. And yet the church has been so faithful, even in giving. And in fact... We've even had people contact us and say, where is there a financial need? How can we help? You know what that does? That again just makes known the goodness and the beauty of the character of God. Thank you 
Thank you. And even in giving to the church, it's not just about filling the coffers. It's not just about meeting the bills. It's not just about keeping the church operating. It serves to glorify God as ministries are able to grow. And God is made more known. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And so a Christ follower, one of the characteristics of a Christ follower and the way that we bring glory to God is give time in serving. And now the second application, go time. We share with the world our heartfelt passion and commitment to take the gospel to others both locally and globally. Now, one of our statements is that we understand that our calling and the purpose for us as a church is what? Is to fulfill the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Jesus himself speaking. Furthermore, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Listen to that. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And listen, as the world looks on, and they see your good works, that they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What does it mean for an unbeliever to give glory to God? When, in essence, they really can't, right? Because it's not, it's not within them to do so. But it's when an unbeliever looks at the acts of a Christian and says, there's something to their God. Can't deny it. There is a good God out there. I may not know who he is or what he is, but there's a good God out there. You are the light. Let the world see your good works. You know, so often we want our good works to be hidden because we're kind of taught that, right? We're not supposed to do it for the fame or for the acknowledgement or the notoriety and all those things. But there is a purpose in doing it. There's a purpose in doing it so that the world can see it in a, when we do it in a humble way for the glory of God. Because it will cause them to look and say, okay, there is this God. There has to be this God. I can't, I can't understand why else they would do this. You are the light. You're not a light, you are the light. The light of God shining through you to a world in darkness. The world is in darkness. And isn't it more evident now than ever that this world is in darkness as it's running around aimlessly in desperation looking for a solution to all the problems that have surfaced over the last 
or at least in our age, right? But that's a consistent pattern throughout the ages. We are the light. We have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. The world doesn't realize the issues of this life are because of the chasm between the world and God. Right? So we go and we share Jesus Christ. Even if it means feeling uncomfortable, even if it means suffering, even if it means being rejected, because he is worthy. The world doesn't realize the issues of this life are because they're far from God. They're bound in sin and in darkness. They're not aware that this chasm that stands between them and God and the judgment that awaits them. But we do, we do. Therefore, God has called us to go. He has made us the light. So let your light shine. Tell of God's mercy to hell-bound sinners like we were. Tell them that through the King of Kings, through Jesus Christ who stepped down from glory to bear our sins, that they too can enter into this living hope of a better life to come In that life, we will, and our ultimate desire in that life will be to just worship and give God glory for all that he is in his being. So go, proclaim the world that there is hope. As the world through sin presently is being torn apart, They need to know that Jesus is the living hope. So church, let us rise up. Let us give ourselves to the will of God, our Father. Let us use our gifts and abilities within the church so that God will be glorified, that his beautiful character will be made known. And let us go and share with the world the living hope of our risen Savior in whom all sin and unrighteousness are removed and death destroyed. Let's end this service this morning by praying. Pray with me. Father, you have called us when we didn't deserve to be called. You have made us your own. Even while we were your enemies, we didn't deserve your love, your forgiveness, your sacrifice. But Jesus, you did it because you wanted to glorify your Father and because you loved us. You wanted to create a people, a people of God. You wanted to show a world in darkness and in death bound to sin, that there is hope, there is life, 
and that there is goodness, and that goodness is found in God alone. Father, perhaps there are people here this morning that have never called on Jesus Christ through faith. I pray that they would have seen enough and heard enough of Jesus this morning, that they would call out to him and come to him by faith. I pray there would have been enough as we looked in the book of Revelation to see of the worthiness of God and the worthiness of Jesus, that we ourselves who are yours already would say, yes, Lord, you are worthy. And I give my life so that your goodness may be made known. Lord, continue to open up opportunities for us to serve one another within this church so that this body would be strengthened and edified and the light of your glory increasingly shine brighter. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to go, knowing that this world is dying and they're looking for the answers in all the wrong places and, and they think the problem is out there when they haven't even realized the problem is within themselves. That they're sin bound, sin chained. That death rules, rules and reigns over them. I pray, Lord, that we would be bold enough to go and to share because Jesus is the only answer. No laws we put in place will change man's condition. Only Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you move us as a church? Would you bring us together? Would we be a humble people and say, yes, Lord. Yes to your will, yes to your way. Use me, Lord, to serve your body and send me, Lord, to make you known. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.